we're through Thanksgiving. We've made it. Now is that awkward time. I think you and I are both a little bit of curmudgeonly on Christmas. I hate everything surrounding Christmas about having to buy gifts because I'm a terrible gift giver. As you witness based on what comes in via like FedEx and UPS, <laughs> I'm great at buying myself stuff. Nail it every time. Lego? Lego? <clears throat> Would you let go of it? Um, oh. So so I struggle with this aspect because it's just like unless you have a similar personality to me, I don't really know what you like, and I don't – it creates anxiety. And so for me, like, that's what I equate Christmas with. However, I do sort of like some of it. Like, we've got creepy horror town, Christmas horror town going on outside where – Yeah. I have a love-hate relationship with it. I love how much the town and everybody embraces it. This year specifically, they've done they've way gone, more than anything. They've I've gone seen. nuts with it. Yeah. And they, they started the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean – Candy canes were up and everything. Yeah. Like, so for those that maybe never make it towards Elmore, um, what <laughs> we have these the, downtown, they have these little speakers, but they're basically like the old megaphones, like you would have at like a like racetrack. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's very high, loud volume kind of thing. And and they just play. They radio. don't play it super loud. It's loud to us because it bounces off the buildings, and we're an up we're an mm-hmm. upper level build. We hear it very well, but they play Christmas music. And the issue is, is that it's all you get out of a megaphone is there's no mids or lows. It's all just the highs of Christmas songs. So it sounds like you're in a horror film, especially as it starts to get dark or whatever. And you go, which uh, is uh, it's December. So every time you leave the office, yeah, yeah. cold and dark. So. It's this element of it looks pretty and peaceful, but then you have this ominous Christmas music played and the high levels that just makes it feel like I'm going to get shot here. Yeah. Like this town is rough. It's a weird mood to get into after work every day. (laughs) But I do say I I do have some Christmas traditions that I have personally. Movies. I got my Christmas movies. I know you to be, and, and maybe this is off base. I didn't, I kind of, I'm like throwing you do you have any christmas films that you watch because i know you're a bit of a movie guy i don't have any christmas ones though honestly or movies that you watch at christmas like it's routine. yeah 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 no i don't really do any of that i guess i've got two movies i have to watch every year i mean there's there's a couple of other ones that i like to watch obviously christmas vacation is a very good one yeah i did watch that as a kid a few times that's the movie's great my one movie is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh. It's very I'm gonna say it's kind of like a diehard because the movie takes place during Christmas. Christmas. It's not meant to be a Christmas movie. But this is a Shane Black movie. Mm -hmm. If you have ever watched like The Nice Guys or anything like that, it is a comedy sort of like murder mystery. Yeah. But the number of one liners and Val Kilmer's in it. Robert Downey Jr.'s phenomenal. I mean, it's an amazing cast. Film is awesome. Takes place over the course of a Christmas. It's a story about a guy who is effectively a thief who manages to get the attention of a movie executive, just kind of funny haha, and then gets involved in a case with a private investigator, bears witness to a murder. And then somehow he's trying to help a girl that he pined over when he was younger who moved out west to become an actress. 
And all of a sudden he takes on this case and the private investigator that he was like shadowing was like, why are you doing this? That's played by Val Kilmer. It's funny. It's lovable. It's hilarious. There's some good twists and turns in there. It's great. I have to watch this movie every year. I can't make fun of people who watch Die Hard as a Christmas movie because I have Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then there's my guilty pleasure, which is actually one of the highest grossing Christmas movies that we've had since its release. There's never been another movie since it. And it's challenged, I'd say, only by the movie Elf. Everybody was expecting me to say Elf. Elf is like, for some reason, now a classic. And then it doesn't feel like a classic because it feels like it's kind of new, but it's not new at all. It's 20 20 years old old today. Uh, Well, this, this season. And that's why I'm bringing it up now. Not right before Christmas is because these move the the two movies that the 20 years ago and elf came out swinging hard and it, and it's only number two, but it is very close as a number two. Never been a movie as successful as Elf and Christmas movie for Christmas. Yeah. You know, globally, I think Elf did two hundred and thirty million dollars or two hundred and twenty, and it was a thirty-three million dollar budget. Wow. Yeah, that's Elf. like really that feels so low for today's standards, right? God, what about Love Actually? You ever see this movie? I have seen that. Yeah. This is my, this is my guilty pleasure. This is the the story of like eight stories in one, basically, or something. Eight different love stories yeah. all wrapped, or eight people, I think, with four different love stories. Yeah, yeah. You have Hugh Grant who plays the Prime Minister of England in it. You have Liam Neeson, yeah, who yeah, has Liam lost, Neeson. you know, who has lost his wife and is left only with a stepson, and his stepson going through his first love of all time. You have his, uh, Liam Neeson's sister in it is having some marital issues and they're trying to find their way and maybe the husband is going to step out and maybe not because there's this floozy of a woman who's involved. Yeah. You have a rock star who is just trying to cash a check so he decides to redo one of his songs. It's Christmas music. The guy from The Hobbit. <laughs> Which guy from The Hobbit? Oh, the, oh, the Hitchhikers. Martin okay. Freeman. Yeah, yeah. I always forget. Every time I watch that movie, Martin Freeman really? comes on. Yeah. And I always remember how much I love him. Yeah, he's great. And then I always forget his character. Him and he plays the he plays a porn star. There's two porn stars that fall in love. Amazing. And I, I bring that up not because I want to spoil this movie because, guys, it's 20 years old. But because because it always catches me off guard, and I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on? I always forget that. I always forget those scenes. They don't show anything terrible. I love this movie. It's one of my favorite Christmas films. I have to watch Love Actually, and I have to watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Well, we're slowly working off our turkey. We're thinking about Christmas. But before we really get into the holiday spirit, we got to talk tech on the Lighthouse IT Solutions podcast. We're back. It's the final stretch. Heck yeah. One more month, kind of. I mean, today's the official first of December, so. Well, look, hey, we're back after a stuffed turkey edition of the podcast. We got this little... If we're going to quote friends, you know, it's like the moist maker of podcasts because we had a podcast right before Thanksgiving and now we're back after Thanksgiving. 
and you know just right in there like this is just what we do this is this is beauty this is perfection right here. Uh, but what do we do on perfection every two weeks let's talk about cybersecurity. <laughs> we've got so much cool stuff to talk so normally we we went we hit a lull right but now we felt got, like we had a cybersecurity lull that's for sure which is always a good thing because generally no news is good news but we got some good stuff this week yeah we do yeah we do i guess so so i'm gonna let you pick what are we gonna start with well we can kind of follow up with the future of what you know, the MGM hack and whatnot happened uh, with those people. So that that was the Black Cat ransomware gang, if you remember. They had gone after MGM and Caesars yep, and all that yep. stuff, and they made a huge, huge thing. But recently they did the the Fidelity National Finance Oil, which is not Fidelity Investments. That's a different company. I did miss this one. Yeah, they got hit real hard by this Black Cat ransomware. But that's not really what we're talking about. They've done something even weirder <laughs> recently where – they basically went after a, a company called uh, Meridian Link, and this is like some bank, you know, lending company or something like that. And the reason we know about it is because the Black Hat ransomware gang snitched their, you know, their their attack to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC. And, and the reason this is kind of a big deal is when you are breached and you are publicly traded, you are required. required. Within four days. To report, the four days of identifying that you've been breached, you are required by law to report that breach to yeah. the SEC. Which Meridian Link did Didn't. not do. So and the, the people who instigated the attack were like, well, pff, we're going we're gonna to file a complaint to the government. And yeah, they, they did just that, which is odd because they're the first people to ever do this. <laughs> this is the first instance we know of. And what we, what we get is is that basically they they compromised their network and said, we want money, and there was zero negotiation. Yep. And so they waited it out, and after the, the time frame had passed for the disclosure, they went and they tattled on them. <laughs> tattled, man. Super weird to do, but it makes sense because it, it puts a lot of pressure on that uh, Meridian link to, you know, obviously it's a ransom, so they're obviously trying to get money out of them. And to make it public, <laughs> you know, they're trying, the whole to goal. Pun- they're trying to punish this company. Yeah. And I think what they were saying is if you would have come to the table and paid us a million, million and we a half. We maybe would have kept it quiet. We would, yeah. we would have just moved about our business. And instead, you now have an SEC investigation. So yeah. you didn't pay us, but I feel like On this. On top is a, of, yeah, the ransom, now you have to do This with is those. a mic drop moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good on Meridian Link for not wanting to negotiate. However, bad on them for trying to keep it a secret. Not following the rules, yeah. And if you're handling, you know, financial data, come on, guys. You should be instantly <laughs> trying to tell all your customers and clients. It's hilarious, but also, you know, kind of odd. Obviously, we don't want people to get ransomware and stuff, so we don't hope it, we hope this doesn't happen again. But hilarious kind the first of hilarious. time. <laughs> yeah, the first time through, especially since it's not us and we're not affected, uh, yeah, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy to laugh at somebody. It's easy, it's easy, it's easy to laugh. <laughs> yeah. But well, when you're noticing traditional methods, and this is great, this is what we want to see, because people are adopting a strategy to train, educate, and empower their team, we're seeing normal methods work. This is why they have to get creative, like pretending you're somebody calling help desk yeah, to get your password reset. And yeah. There's a lot more social engineering. We're seeing these tactics because it's almost desperation. Yeah. This is why ransomware is going down in, as an attack, but mm-hmm. the actual overall cybersecurity. But cybercrime is still up. high. Yeah. Yep. 
it's it's odd, but it makes sense. People are, are you know wising up to tactics, so they got to switch it up. But even in this one, they didn't actually encrypt any any data or anything like that. They just gained access just through got, some script, yeah, yeah, through through some screenshots. Said, "Hey, we're we're in your networks." Yeah, which yeah. hardly feels like ransom. That's more of like. I don't know. I guess that'd be more extortion. This is more ransom, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah that's true. Weird. But yeah, what do you got in terms of cybersecurity stuff? I feel like there's been more, but... Uh, well, we did we did have a pretty massive one. There's a medical transcription company that was attacked. This one's pretty bad. Nearly 9 million patients are affected by the process. Well... In what the Department of Health and Human Services is saying, one of the largest recent breaches we've had, there's a company called, I want to get it right because I keep forgetting, Perry Johnson and Associates. Sorry about that. <laughs> PJ&A is, I think, what I will call them because that just seems to be the moniker they go by. But Perry Johnson's and, uh, and Associates is a company. It's effectively an outsourcer for a couple of healthcare systems. And it seems that they got attacked back in March. They had somebody who had unauthorized access to their systems was all up in their grill and figuring things out. Man, March. Oof. Yeah, since March. Interestingly enough, we're finding out about it just only recently because of a legal requirement to file notification. What's crazy is they seem to really only be targeting one specific healthcare organization, which is the largest in New York State. The company works with many, but... The, yeah, the yeah. Attackers yeah. are only going. Yeah, and they're one. based out of uh, Nevada, but the one they were going after is this New York-based healthcare system called Northwell Health. But we, and then that's probably pushing somewhere in the neighborhood of like four million mm. or three, three million, something like that. And then there's Cook County Health that's in Illinois, and that one is about one point two million records. Oh, okay. The remaining are a bunch of different healthcare systems that we don't didn't find out in the filing itself data released however we're just now finding out that they began notifying patients at the end of september data includes your name your address date of birth social security number diagnosis diagnoses medications testing results diagnostic results all of those types of things, all in, types of medicines they think you're taking, mm. all of that's included in the extricated data. Wow. PJ&A said, we've hired a cybersecurity vendor to assist with the investigation. I thought this was interesting in their thing. Investigate the threat, investigate and contain the threat. Contain. And further secure the systems, which leads me to believe that this they don't ongoing. know how they got in nor do they know that they have this resolved. Yeah, so there's probably an open foothold that they're trying to fish that's out. It, that's what it feels like to me. Interesting. That's really bad, but yeah. It, it, that is kind of like, they say it like that, but realistically, I mean, how many how many of these announcements are probably similar? Like, well, we know they're in. Don't really know how. We'll, we'll try to figure it out. Right, right. So that's probably just more common. They're just kind of admitting it. They they notice that data is being extricated out, but they don't know why. And if it's been since March, then yeah, they've got. We don't. We just know the period. Everything. You don't know when they identified it. Yeah. You know, you just have like to that. assume you got. They got everything. Terrible, terrible, scary. Let's talk about chips. Let's talk about chips, dude. Yeah. All right, we can talk about chips. Yeah, Microsoft is making chips, man. So we kind of discussed 
the NVIDIA stuff probably three episodes ago on how NVIDIA had just taken the world by storm a couple quietly per- investing in AI about two years ago I think it was yep. they just started dumping money into research and development towards artificial intelligence and, and, and the chips that can work with it and whatnot but that was before the chat GBT craze that happened at the start of this year mm-hmm. and they're way better off now I mean if you look at their stock prices it's it's hilarious the difference between two years ago and now well but, just, just think about a year ago. We're coming up on a year ago. We started hearing about this open AI company that nobody really knew about. Nobody really knew about, yeah. Because of Dolly. Yep, and the Dolly 2, which was the image generation now stuff, which now we have video generation with stable diffusion. It's absurd. Yeah. So in one year's time, we went from nobody really hearing about this system yeah. to it is now commonplace. How often do you watch somebody talk about their software and they're introducing AI components to it. Hugely, yeah. I think it's overhyped now, but underhyped for the long term, if that makes sense. I, I think, think people don't understand its long term effects. Of, but I think a lot of companies are using the term AI for business decision and planning. I, I think they're using the term AI, but there isn't actually AI in it. But we are completely seeing the sort of beginnings of amazing steps in AI in yeah. these large language models. It's, it's a toddler right now. Yeah. You know, stumbling around. But. Everybody's saying they've got AI, but AI does exist, but they probably don't. But I think Microsoft's going to change everything. <laughs> so Microsoft, dun, dun, dun. not only are they doing stuff with OpenAI, which we'll talk about probably right after this, but yeah, they're sure. also developing custom chips for AI Similarly to what NVIDIA has been doing. And this is largely because Microsoft wants out of the NVIDIA game. They do not want to, you know, spend the millions and millions, probably billions, that they work with NVIDIA for their databases and, you know, powering their co-pilot AI stuff in the background. Well, and they're writing their own software. So to be able to have the software and the processor directly linked. Yeah. And we've seen them on their Surface line. They've been developing an ARM-based processor. So you've seen them dabble in this before. I mean, Mike, Apple's been doing this for a few years. Apple's, yeah, finally, you know, I think they're on the M3 now. Yeah. And it's awesome. But that's not that's not AI. That's It's all. a different, it's yeah. just a generic processor. That's but closer to the Microsoft ARM processors that are being developed. Yeah, the SQ series. Yeah. Well, Microsoft has made this Azure Maya 100, which is a 128-core chip, as well as this uh, Cobalt 100 chip. And these are both the first two, you know, custom silicon trips that uh, Microsoft's ever done. And it's all focused on their cloud infrastructure. Which means we don't get to have an, an Azure chip. We will not. Ex- we will never yeah. own these computers. These are these are chips and databases, you know, huge, huge you know, servers that are in massive warehouses full of computers and whatnot. But these are, you know, again, just to get rid of the, you know, costly reliance on NVIDIA. Well, the, the ARM processors are lower power than a lot of competitors that arm architecture yep and yeah would you you say 128 cores think about that yeah yeah i mean i i wonder what the die size is on these but you know because we're we're very small processors and we're getting we're getting to the point where it's impossible to get smaller so 128 cores on an arm processor i just wonder what the size of that is yeah yeah don't know but the interesting thing about this, though, is they're making obviously huge steps to get AI to be a part of their their mission, their vision, their future. 
But Microsoft's decision to uh, do these custom chips is not the only one that's come out in the last month. Very recently, like a week ago, OpenAI has gotten into the mix. Yeah. So, well, OpenAI is kind of an interesting story. I mean, they've been in the mix with Microsoft for a while, but this is like... Microsoft's a huge investor. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, there's been so many investors in OpenAI. I yeah, mean, this huge, is true. This is events. true. But here's what I think is crazy. There's some serious drama going on with OpenAI. Yeah, I mean, I saw, without even really researching a couple of days ago, was all the employees are signing a petition basically to the board to basically have everybody, not everybody, I think most of them, be completely fired so that they could be replaced because OpenAI employees are not happy about where the company was going. So, so. here's... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna broad stroke this because we had some serious stirrup and changeover and craziness, but there's there's almost within OpenAI the company there is a, there is some sub factions yeah, yeah. on responsibility. Yeah, and I want to make it clear before I start this. I've read this. If you ever get the chance to subscribe to, especially if you're a techie type nerd, I'm gonna make a plug for for two newsletters, TLDR is a phenomenal newsletter. But TLDR is a whole very techie, talks about programming to science and all that. But the other one that I'm going to talk about that I'm going to reference here is by Daniel Missler, and it's called Unsupervised Learning. Similar kind of idea to TLDR, but he gives a lot of more of his his input on things. Yeah, opinionated versus factual. So he started breaking down. I've been following this for a little bit. And it sounds like, based on what he's know, what he's been able to figure out, and he's pretty prominent in tech industries and sciences and stuff, so he he's got some good resources. But effectively, we'll call them accelerators and decelerators that existed within OpenAI. The group of accelerators were people who want. OpenAI to grow as fast, as quickly as possible. And there's still a company under a thousand, which is wild for, and they're for making the amount of impact they've had. And amazing. Yeah, we talk about this as a company that we've never heard of publicly in one year ago. Yeah. To they are, we talk about Chat GPT it's and OpenAI. Yeah. It is already a household name. You're right. You're right. In 12 months. So, so I get it. People want to accelerate. You know, you've got something. Here. You've Let's got momentum, yeah. and they're getting investment, which means that they can push and they can leverage, and they want to From, take open. Yeah, they want to take AI From to the leading next tech level. companies. They have investments. Like, and the asterisk that I said I wanted to place is, they still want to do things safely. However, there's another faction within OpenAI that says, no, no, we need to concentrate and de the, the decelerators is kind of what what Missler calls these, the decelerators that say, we need to focus on the work and make sure that there's safety. Because within the open AI group, the decelerators fall into effectively two, two factions. One is we should never make AI the same level as humanity. And two, those that believe that AI in general will result in the end of mankind. <laughs> I kind of want to bring up the fact that these are employees for a company that develops AI software. Yep. Man, um, we were laughing like a year ago about the guy from Google who was, you know, that you actually saw live. I got to see him talk where yeah. he thought that there was, ex he was, a there was extension, employee. the former Google employee. Yeah. He was fascinating to talk to. Yeah. But that has turned into Bard. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. So what we, the, the Lambda, right? He was working on Lambda. Yeah. 
so I say all of this to say there was significant pressure against the board. I think this is a Matt opinion. Sam Altman is effectively the head of he's the CEO of of OpenAI at this point in time. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> he's very charismatic. He's very much an accelerator type and he's very much wanting to get this in the hands as many people as possible. And you and I have talked and we've we've discussed how far chat GPT has come in one year's time. And you mentioned Dolly is already on a second release. We talked about that we can do video and audio and third release, actually, Dolly three. Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. Yeah. I mean there's Chat GPT GPT four now is the which current is one. public, which they're already working on five and six, hmm. but four is is now kind of a general release. They're talking yeah. about they're focusing on making it so that OpenAI can become an assistant for you. They're working on making a model, language models that can be personal assistants. And this has scared what we'll generically call the decelerators in the group. And as you so rightfully mentioned, this caused a rift in the company as to what they should do. Oh, yeah. Now, there's a couple of board members who also have personal vendettas against Altman, but that that I think transpire beyond fear because he's called them out. But generally speaking, there's a lot of confidence in Sam Altman. This makes sense why there was a petition at all, though, because the employees were effectively split. So there was a democracy yeah. aspect that needed to happen. And well, but you're, you're appealing to people who have personal vendettas, and I think that's where this gets ugly. Mm -hmm. Where this comes in, there's a meeting that happens between some interested parties and the conversation is kind of whatever. And the result of which is that ultimately what's blah, 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 <laughs> yada, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to quote Seinfeld, Sam Altman gets fired by the board. Surprisingly, he is just ousted on yeah. a Friday. He's let go. Mm -hmm. um, Where's he go though? But what's interesting on that is right before this, we hear that his cohort, that's like his number two guy name, I think is Greg Brockman, quits. He's like, whatever's going on in this company, I'm done with it. The decisions in the meeting I just left, I've resigned. And you're like, what? And then a couple hours later, there's a, a message that basically says, yeah, we've let go Sam Altman. Yeah. This is like, what? He's our rock star. He's our, you know. Uh, he's our Steve Jobs. He's our Steve Jobs yeah. for a lot of, like, the investors and things. Well, you mentioned Microsoft is a big investor for OpenAI. Huge. And this is their focus as a business. They hire Im In almost instantly. immediately. They heard the news and they're like, cool, we have a, we have a huge executive position. By Sunday... Sam Altman is announced as join will be joining Microsoft as their op, as their AI lead not to their AI initiatives. The lead to their yeah. AI initiatives. Nuts. But something odd is still going on. Investors are ticked, and investors have money. Yep. <laughs> and this is where capitalism kind of sucks, but also like, you know, they could probably be right on this. They want to know why the board fired Sam. And it comes out that it's like, well, we got a company split down the middle. Well, then what happens is a lot of researchers, when Sam leaves, are like, what? 
they leave and they follow Sam. Oh man. So there's a massive loss of aggressive talent. So it is kind of one of those things is yeah, you may be split, but you just took a major hit to the company because a number of people left. One of them started their own AI model. A bunch of them went and and took some employees and another set went and went to Microsoft with Sam or, you yeah. know. One of the people. main people who left OpenAI was trying to get people to do develop like butlers, like actual physical robots that walk around your house and stuff. Yeah. And this is where some of those decelerators say, we don't want this. You yeah. should never make them human. Mm-hmm. Which you should makes never sense make why they, they left, yeah. Well, and Sam says, no, we should help people any way we can. We shouldn't put bottles on it. We should make it safe, but we shouldn't put caps on what AI is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think we've got finally caught up to Sunday. This is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Friday, Sam Altman, leading up to this, you have everybody in fighting. There's a big, massive concern that Sam Altman's driving the company too quickly and that there's a safety concern here. Friday, the board ousts him. Sunday, he's going to join Microsoft with a series of researchers from him. Monday comes. The investors are calling for the heads... Of the board members yeah. that initiated the ousting. Yeah, because they of, want Sam Beck. In fact, they wanted him hired back. And even one of them who was persuaded to vote towards it resigns and said, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm leaving. Like he voluntarily left. Man. The other two were pushed out. So those that led this charge against Sam kicked out or Felt so guilty, they they don't feel like they're equipped to handle this. There's now a new board instituted, and they're charged with convincing Sam to come back. <laughs> From Microsoft as lead AI. <laughs> well, here's what's also crazy, though. I mean, Microsoft's also an investor in yeah. OpenAI, so it kind of benefits them one way or the other, mm-hmm. right? I think there's probably more progress being done at OpenAI that's a, a savings of money. So the investors plead with Microsoft to help. Basically, they recruit their assistants to help convince Sam to go back to OpenAI. Takes a couple days. Now here we are. The guy who was fired is now back at OpenAI. The only thing that has changed is that the board was fired and replaced. Yeah, exactly. The people that were not okay with them. Um, But that kind of leaves... Mostly accelerators, it seems, though. Well, I don't know that we have saw... I haven't really seen any fallout from the decelerators wanting mm-hmm. to leave. And I don't think any of them necessarily wanted Sam, uh, Sam fired. Yeah, I think they just want to be there to, to I think help. they wanted to voice concerns. And yeah. We'll never know these aspects because they were behind closed we, doors. We don't know what AI is doing in the future, though, already, too. So it's kind of hard to, like, join a side at this point. Like, even, I think all those people recognize, like... What side to be on? I don't know. No one knows. You ha- so here's my again. This is the man. This is the man. your opinion to this. You do need money, and you need somebody like Sam to draw attention. I, and there needs to be a company like that needs investors. It just you know. And right now the iron is the iron is hot. Yeah. And there's a cliche: strike while the iron is hot. Yep. Right. Yeah. You, you, if you're going to get to where you need to be, you need to strike while the iron is hot. The iron's hot. You need to move forward. So, yes, you need accelerators and you need decelerators. We need both of you because we need 
the decelerators to keep the accelerators in check. But if we follow along with what the decelerators want, it could be 20 years before we see some of the innovations that they could probably accomplish in five. Yeah. The other thing was I think Microsoft was looking to have somebody from their team on the board of OpenAI too, and OpenAI kind of refused. So, And I'm not sure how that, that all ended. I, I That hasn't ended. <laughs> it's, that's still I, ongoing. I think, I think we're still working through some of it, but yeah, the, the – Mm-hmm. I think there's a better communication between them now too, just because there's you know uh, more. Well, Microsoft's a major player and major investor and a major th- believer in OpenAI. Last time I looked, it was like ten billion in investment or something. So yeah. and obviously OpenAI is valued at an absurd amount of money. So it they're and a small team. Yeah, and it's under under a thousand. I think it's just like seven fifty or something ridiculous employees yeah. there. Because I think I read eighty six billion maybe. <sighs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, huge amounts of money being invested into them, though. But yeah, and who knows where they'll be in the next three to five years? Yeah, so, who's who's to say with with six months? I mean, it could be it could be a huge leap and bound again, like we've seen already with twenty twenty three. So, speaking of opening apps, Amazon. Yeah, you can buy a car on Amazon. <laughs> Listen, there's no Dean Kamen that there's makes no this Kamen, better. Yeah. Our segue into 2024 is that 2024, you'll be able to buy a Hyundai on Amazon. Instead of two wheels, you're going to have four. That's our segue. (laughs) There you go, everybody. We've been making this joke for three and a half years. And we just finally. Here's the explanation. (laughs) Hell yeah. You know, those are the best jokes when you have to explain to them. Oh, the best jokes. And see, the reason that we say, let's, let's just do a full reset. That's what they call it. It's called a full reset. Dean Kamen is the CEO of Segway that makes the little scooters. Was? He's probably not. Any- oh, no, yeah. He's definitely not anymore because the after he invented the Segway, a CEO j- happened to die on a Segway. That's the, that's the joke. Everyone thinks that's the inventor, but that's not the inventor. That was just the CEO at the time. He fell off a cliff with the Segway given a tour, So, which is true. Totally happened. But that was not Dean Kamen. He just happened to invent the Segway. So. Yeah, so here we go. He's the inventor of the Segway. Yeah, yeah. The little device that you move around on. Yeah, yeah. We call it a Dean Kamen because Segway is a company, but Segway is also, it's called a homonym for those of you at home. Man, I hope I'm a right on that. <laughs> it's a spectrum. A it's a spectrum. Oh, okay. Cool. It's a spectrum. Um, a Hyundai? <laughs> Hyundai. I don't know. Whatever. But for real, you're able to buy a car on Amazon. <laughs> Twenty twenty four, man, it's coming. You could just open up the app, boom, buy a car. It's crazy. So by next year, and this is not going to be Hyundai, and specifically, it will be, you know, whomever joins this this thing. Which they have a marketplace. You know what I mean? Like you could buy through other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you will be buying through a dealer on this. That is the yeah. end seller. But it's you know, Amazon will be listing. Do you still get prime shipping on that? Oh, I mean, honestly, with the Carvana or whatever the heck, you can buy a car and get it and ship to your house in like a day and a half no. or two days. So, yeah, probably. Probably we'll be able to do prime on cars. But, I mean, Amazon's been slowly muscling their way into the car buying business over years because they launched this digital showroom for shoppers. And, you know, you can, like, compare vehicles and research and all that stuff. So they've been making, you know, progress towards this for a while now anyways. Hyundai, I think the first company to take them up on it. 
So there you go. You could get a Hyundai Palisade on Amazon. <laughs> Two-day shipping. Dang, man. And 2024. Got to get to the year first. It's weeks away. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be right off the bat, though, on January 1st, but we'll Then what see. are they doing? I don't know. It's ridiculous. Well, man, Google's been doing some pretty cool stuff. Kind of want to get some of those out of there real quick. We'll lightning round some Google updates. We talked about perspectives last time. Maybe not last time. That was actually probably in the summer, if I'm going to remember that correctly. Perspectives is that thing where Google's going to start pulling, you know, Reddit and, you know, Q&A stuff like from like Quora oh, and social right. media yeah, yeah, platforms yeah. and stuff. And they, they start adding it. I think it's below featured snippets where it's like a little thing. It's kind of a, a the way. community based content. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to be, you know, it's not a fact checked type, type thing. Your, but it's the your ones stack that are overflow popular. data. Yep. Probably not so much Reddit since they're being yeah. Reddit. The, the main change here, you know, though. What's funny is they still haven't IPO'd. Oh, dude, yeah. Well, that's uh, supposed to come. They've, yeah. That we thought that was we thought that was going to happen in months. Yeah, I think it's they're happening trying, next I think, year. I think they're trying to hold off on. I think they're still. I think they did some damage. Mm-hmm. I think they're trying to wait out. Yeah, I've, I I haven't looked at like their user stuff, but I'm, I assume it's down. I'm, I'm not sure though, but it's coming back. Yeah, the perspectives thing though. Uh, the the main change here is that it's no longer just for mobile. It is on desktop, so most people now will finally start seeing it implemented. So you'll be actually able to see these perspectives pop up, which is actually kind of cool because it does help you search and you don't have to put like, you know, if you're looking for specific stuff and you want to search via Reddit or something, you don't have to do that in Google search. It actually might just show up for you right on the search bar. So the other cool thing about this update, though, is that they're introducing a follow button. And if you've ever used Google Alerts, it's very similar to that where you can have an alert for, you know, if you're a celebrity, you can put your name as the alert. And then every time your name comes up in the news or whatever, you get an alert. You know that I had that as a Google alert. Exactly. Your own name, right? But the follow button allows you to kind of granularly get notifications on search stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So if I'm looking at, you know, I don't know, D and D, whatever, then you, you can start getting stuff about that if you want when it pops up in the news and whatnot. So that's kind of cool, actually. I'm really excited to see that. Subscribing to topics, I think, is another instance of social. Basically, easy way to build alerts. Yeah. And I I think it adds another level of, like, you know, social engagement and whatnot. So it actually kind of helps. Getting push notifications again was kind of our whole idea of that's going to be the social platform of the future is, you know, your your home screen on your phone, basically. So, but that's a whole other discussion we've already covered. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last thing they've updated is this, this notes thing, which is another kind of addition to this social way of, of thinking for the search engine results page. So basically, Google's experimenting with a way to, and this is on, in beta with this, a way to have users like create and like pin notes on these searches for like an article or something like that. And it's mostly focused on like tips, I guess, or, or like summaries of these you know articles or whatever the notes on. But dude, it looks like it's like an Instagram or Snapchat, like for like whole send basically. So it's you know the photo background where you can change the colors and everything. You have a little text box in it and whatnot. Again, shows up below featured snippets. It's very weird, but it'll appear on you know the normal stuff, but not sensitive topics and things like that. So it'll it'll add a level of community towards the search engine results page. You'll have people. Hey. You searched for this, but I had a little bit better results looking for this. Absolutely, yeah. Something like that. Or it's or just summarizing articles in general, things like that. But this is – it's different somehow than this perspectives, and it's kind of hard to differentiate. But Well, because it, it's their own 
data aggregation. Yeah. Versus aggregating like Quora and Reddit and Perspectives Stack Overflow. Perspectives is like the AI generation of, you know, here's what you're probably looking for. And yeah. the, these notes, there's users being Based like, no, oh, this is. existing social content. Whereas yeah. this is them curating social content. Yeah. I actually kind of like this idea. It's weird. It does not follow the, the past Google updates and, and the whole idea of they've been trying to go towards enterprise stuff. They've been really. Yeah, making bad decisions. Yeah. But these are kind of interesting, useful things. I mean, this one's still in beta, but it's. I don't know. It might be kind of sweet to see. It's going to be funny to see it come up in contexts that, like, you know, probably aren't appropriate. I'm sure there's going to be some funny ones. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Yeah, but here, here they are. And it, since they're kind of in the same vein of what, like, an Instagram or Snapchat would be, I think this is going to get picked up, you know, by the Zoomers pretty quick. <laughs> so Probably. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I've got, I've got a... I'm not going to call it a game, but I, I've got something fun for us to end our note in our time here today. NordPass has released their top 10 password. Well, actually, they look at the top 200 most common passwords. Really? I'm not going to go through 200. That's ridiculous. But what? let's just, let's David Letterman this. Let's do our top 10. Top uh, 10 mojo. Top <laughs> 10 most common passwords. Now, before we get into this, there's a reason that they are on this list. So we're not going to expect complexity out of the top 200. They're probably guessable. Oh, yeah. Because complexity would mean that there's a sense of uniqueness. Yeah, okay? where's password one, so two, three at? <laughs> so none of these are going to be surprisingly complicated. However, some of them are going to be surprising that they are on the list. Still used. Is Still the, used. That's the surprising Yeah, because aspect, we yeah. go, well, everybody knows that one. So let's talk about it. I'm going to hit you up. Let's talk about number 10. Number 10 is one two three four five six seven eight nine zero. Cool. Just swipe the keyboard with your just, finger. Let's just dial all the numbers. Yep. Number nine. Let's get a little fancy in here. Okay. okay. Number nine is going to be capital A, lowercase a, one two three four five six. Interesting. I've never seen that. That's a new one on this list. It is fairly new. Yeah. It's um, a capital. I've that people are generally well, much more lazy. <laughs> You're going to start to notice that there's going to be some repeating in here. Oh, yeah. And then you're going to notice that there's some repeating in order to meet complexity requirements. Oh, so that's probably one of them. Oh, hey, you need a capital. You letter. need six digits? Okay. Mm. Uh, you need 10 digits? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero. Yeah. That's 10. Oh, you need a lowercase, uppercase, and a number? And then it needs to be eight digits? Boom. Bam. So, yeah. Number eight. One, two, three. So still, still <laughs> in the number one, 10, two, just one, two, three. Well, my favorite's still, I've got two or three favorites on okay, here. Okay. Number seven is a classic. Password is still in the top 10. Just classic password. The password of password is still Password a top one, two, 10. three is the classic for me, but I guess that's because that was already I know, now that I know, time. now I know that. Oh, yeah. Gonna, I can log, log into, into your computer. Stuff, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in your computers uh, <laughs> charging your bankings. <laughs> yeah. Number six, one, two, three, four, five. I oh, don't like fancy. that. I don't like that one. A five character one? That's interesting. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of that one. Because if you're doing a ten key, one, two, three, four, five. You're just stomping in the middle. Yeah. yeah it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um we'll we'll get we'll get to my favorite. Number five, one, two, three, four. Again. Jeez, really? You're in the people. second row, but you're kind of not finished. Like who's just... making, who's actually using passwords like this? I really hope not a lot, but it's Top, it's a top 10 for a reason. That's true. That's true. Number four. Number four 
play on the classic of number 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. I like oh, this one. Zero. You know why I like this one? Well, the zero's all the way at the bottom on a 10 key. That's true. You but can do it on the 10 key easily. Yeah. The nine digit, 1, 2, 3, 4, yeah. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. It's got a nice little rhythm. Mm-hmm. You're using the three fingers. If you're a 10 key person, that's an easy password right Just there. Like, nine, <laughs> nine digits, all numbers, baby. Yeah. yeah I, I love it. Number three annoys me for the same reason that the other ones are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, no nine. No nine, no, no zero. No nine. Hmm. No zero. But it's That's like, where they're getting uneven. the hackers, though. You know? There's no nine in it? Just throwing it. Who would yeah, do that? Yeah, they're getting the hackers. That's why. It's a social engineering It's thing. number three yeah. on the most commonly used <laughs> passwords. And I, I'm just going to simply say, if your password is on the top 200 list, which we will be publishing a link to that list in the show notes... They already have access to this information already. Most people who use brute force, which is, you know, obviously trying to get into a password by just typing a bunch of, you know, things in there multiple times to try and get it, they'll go through the top whatever list of of passwords. They will, hackers will just generate that first. That'll be the first try. And use dictionary. Yeah. They'll use words. Yep. Yep. Number two is a favorite of mine admin. Oh, admin. Admin and password still top 10. Yep. We've been talking about how terrible they are to use as passwords for like 50 years, and they're still there. Yeah. I mean, the problem is that's probably because USA, admins- USA, <laughs> USA. I think it's because admins defaulted on like so many things too, though. So, so it's just I, people not changing the password. I do one. think so. I think that's, I think that is true. But people will probably change it to number and one. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. A lot of these number-based passwords are the default passwords to pretty much every printer. Yeah. Here we go. So, so it's not password time. or admin. It's some printer password. <laughs> and the number one up. most common password is one, two, three, four, five, six. That's such a letdown. And this one I love. This yeah. is my favorite because it's two rows. It's nice and even. Three, you know, one, two, three, one, you know, one, two, yeah. three, four, five, six. Bam, six characters. Six characters, and I can get in in point three seconds. Kind of, it's kind of why I like number nine. Number nine's like fancy. Number nine does have the capitalization. A, capital A, lowercase a. a. Yeah. You throw a special character in there. It does add quite a bit of complexity, surprisingly, even for that one. But like, obviously, it's still not ninth, so you, people aren't getting that. If you did capital B, B, what? Now that's that might be on the top two hundred. I I really just focused on the top ten because I thought that was fun. <laughs> so well, thanks for that one for all two hundred. Would be yeah. here all day. Well, and I so. I mean I didn't even put the effort in to look at eleven through one hundred ninety nine <laughs> or two hundred. I'm also just curious about the top ten, so it's fine. If you're curious about the top two hundred though, we do have if that you need some resources. more coffee or you need something to do, check out the next two hundred. Maybe I will too. It'll be fun. But yeah, number one is actually one of my favorites to see because I just think, yeah, that's that's the best of the lazies. Yeah, okay. yeah. Anything with a ten key and that's really what you're seeing is almost all of the passwords are on the ten key. Yeah. Griff, can you believe it? I mean, this episode, so filling, it's like we had a, another Thanksgiving meal. Just oh, so much content. I can't even. Don't even. I can't, I can't even. But that does it for another episode of the Lighthouse IT Solutions Podcast. Hope you had fun today. I know it was a little bit long, but listen, the last one was kind of short, so like we'll make it up for it. It's all fine and dandy. We had fun today. Go out there. Watch Love Actually. Don't watch Elf. That movie's dumb. <laughs> That's right. I'm ending controversial. <laughs> I think you started controversial. <laughs> In the meantime, we've got a couple more weeks before we sit right back at the table and talk more about tech news and uh, what's going on in the world of marketing. On behalf of Griffin, I've been Matt. If you have questions about anything we talked about on today's show, you can go to lighthousesol.com 
forward slash podcast. You can check out the podcast that we have, all the show notes, previous episodes in case you missed one. We know better. You never miss an episode. You listen to this stuff sequentially. We hope you have a wonderful couple weeks. We'll catch you in just two weeks' time until you hear our voices once again on the next episode of the Lighthouse IT Solutions Podcast. 